and thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alpha 5840 in the Book of Mormon. This time we got Jess joining me with uh, Drew Young here on episode, what is this, episode 13, I think. Um, if I get that wrong, you'll see the correction in the title, I guess. <laughs> Anyways, um, so happy to have you guys on. Thanks, Drew, for joining us. Yeah, thanks. It's a great opportunity to be here. I appreciate it. Awesome. How are you doing, Jess, with since your trip? You got back, what, you said five this morning? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. I slept for five hours, and I got back up to go some more. Nice. So, Drew, do you want to go ahead and give us a bit of a background on your story, maybe a bit about your book, and how, like, what, where you're, kind of where your story, kind of the background to it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I guess first things first, I was born in Utah, and uh, moved to Connecticut when I was three because of my dad's job. And so uh, I lived there for about 10 years. I'm an East Coast kid, love the East Coast, want to be back of the East Coast one day. But right now I'm in um, uh, Salt Lake City with my wife and daughter. And um, anyway, so my story really begins at the, uh, the pinnacle of, of mental illness. So I grew up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, as such, young men are kind of, uh, it's anticipated that they will serve a full-time mission. And I wanted to do that growing up. I had plans to do that. My dad had done that. My brothers had done that. And so it was just something that, you know, I wanted to do. My friends were doing it, you know. And uh, I had a testimony and thought that it would be the right thing for me to do. And so I, I, I graduated high school, went to a semester of college, and turned in my mission papers and uh, received a call to serve in the Baltic mission, which is uh, in Eastern Europe, right below Finland next to Russia. That's funny, because my, my dad served in Finland. And oh, okay. uh, another funny thing you say, because before you started your mission, um, that's exactly the same thing I did. I'm like, high school, semester of college, go on a mission. And it was because, oh, my brother did it, so he's my hero, I want to do it too. And it's like, hmm. Anyways, yeah. keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It was it was kind of just you know how I how, how I did my story and um, so yeah, I got called to serve Estonian speaking, so I was going to be in the country of Estonia. Wow. And uh, as of such, you're called to the MTC for nine weeks, uh, so you can learn the language and the lessons and you know all that stuff. And uh, so I reported to the MTC on January twenty seventh. 2015 and uh, that's really where my story begins um, that's where I encountered mental illness for the first time in my life so is, is this just kind of a side note is Estonian like really difficult what's that story is Estonian really difficult yes it's um, on like the language world scale it's supposed to be the second hardest in the world next to Finnish so I definitely needed the gift of tongues um and uh, learned what that is while I was in the MTC. It's a very real thing. Um, the spirit definitely knows all and uh, can help you as you're learning, you know, different things, different languages, different skills. So, yeah, I was I was going to be there for nine weeks. And um, it kind of just happened that, uh, long story short, you can ask me more about it, but I ended up coming home early from my mission uh, right after the MTC, actually, my zone went out to the respective missions, and I came home. Uh, and so coming home was very difficult for me. It's where I experienced uh, 
um, depression and anxiety for the first time in my life. It's where I started going to therapy every other week and taking, you know, a lot of different medications and uh, experienced suicidal thoughts for the first time. So it's kind of my my journey to discovering, you know, my mission in life, my purpose. Um, and that's kind of where the book that I wrote just recently, which came out um, July 14th, um, that's where my book can, came out. It's called The Meaning of Your Mission, which kind of uses my experience as, as an early return missionary. To well, how, sorry, guide. how early did you come home? Uh, 63 days. That was, that was my mission. 63 days. So it was, um, it was a short one for me, but it was my, my own mission, my destiny and what the Lord had in store for me. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where the book. So yeah. So when you you came home early, like, I don't know if I missed it or not. What, what was the cause of that? Just. So yeah, as I was in the MTC, um, I started to experience really bad panic attacks. Um, wow. I was, you know, gaining weight. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was having really bad, you know, heart murmurs and heart palpitations. And this was all brand new to me. Um, I had never experienced anything like it before. And so I went to go see um, a doctor at the MTC. I went to see a therapist at the MTC. It was the first time that I had been prescribed medication in my life. It was the first time that I'd gone to therapy in my life. So it was very new to me. Um, and I had to you know, just kind of work through it. And, and um, you know, I would see the therapist every week and she would evaluate my progress. And I'd see the doctor every three weeks and he would see how the medication was working. Um, but basically, you know, as the therapy progressed throughout the MTC, it became more and more clear that this wasn't going to be the right path for me to serve a full uh, two-year mission without getting some extra help. And so... One of the reasons I ask about how early you went home is because... I'm like, I can relate to that a little bit, but then I'm like, you tell me how long it was. I'm like, mm, not as much because um, I had, I was like, my last six weeks would have been spent recovering from a bike wreck where I had a radial head fracture on my elbow. Mm. And it's like, so I went home six weeks early, but I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, no, I can't really compare because that's <laughs> far different. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, were you 18 or 19 at the time that you went? I was 19, so I actually I gave my farewell address on my 19th birthday. So I was I was oh, cool. a fresh 19 year old in the MTC. Well, well, I mean, so I I can relate a little bit. I mean, I've I've experienced those panic attacks, and they can be super scary, especially when you haven't experienced them before. Yeah. You don't know, like it's like you have no control. There's no control over when they're going to hit. Or at least it feels that way. And so then it's like, well, you know, when is this horrible thing going to happen again? Because you don't know. Right. That's so... Yeah. And I experienced I experienced that when I was um, actually 20 um, at BYU. Uh, a lot of the same things, stress with classes. Yeah. It's funny what can, what can trigger it. And I think usually it gets triggered, you know, anxiety and panic in general. The main trigger for that is just a, a really new environment that causes a lot of stress that you're not used to. Yeah. And, um, I mean, whether that's, you know, with mothers having their babies, I mean, that's, you know, that can cause a lot of anxiety and stress, whether that's, you know, moving to a new place and having to, 
you know, get accustomed to new neighborhood, new schools, new work, or, you know, something like the MTC where you're just kind of thrown into the thick of it and you don't really know what to expect or what to do. And um, I had never in my life been really taught, you know, this is what happens on a mission. You know, I, I thought that, you know, you kind of just, you learn a language, you teach people, you know, <laughs> you try and baptize people, but really it's, you know, it's a lot more than that. And it, and it contains, you know, a lot more, um, discipline and perseverance than one thinks, oh, I yeah. think, before they, they go into it. I feel like the MTC teaches you the order of doctrines, and then it's like, like that's it. Like Because when I was there, it was like, everybody says yes. And that is absolutely the opposite, almost, of what it's like <laughs> when you're actually out there doing the work. It's like 90% of the people say, say either no, or get lost, or drop dead, which actually happened in my case. Um, and a lot of other bad things. And it's like, People are not nice. Well, you need to get them used to that. It's like <laughs> well, I was just I was just in Texas um, with a friend of mine, and we had Utah plates on our car, and we were driving through this little tiny town in Arkansas, and we pulled over because somebody needed to get out for some reason. I can't even remember why. And so we pulled over for a minute, and the guy whose house we stopped in front of, he was like get out of here, go back to Utah, and I was a little, I was shocked because that was the first time I had experienced that, and I grew up there, and this was the first time. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought, I wasn't sure we weren't going to get shot or something, but <laughs> luckily we didn't. Yeah. So Drew, I, I'm, what I'm curious to know is, um, kind of leading into the next part here, with, because, you know, part of the, the purposes of these episodes is to um, identify how partnering with Christ through our struggles um, especially for the purpose of this season helps actually help you become more free from something or free to do something yeah. um, so could you and kind I of... actually have a related question too if, yes. uh, along with like when you have a moment you know I just have a question about like going through this experience did this affect your testimony from yes, <laughs> it definitely did, um, and I'll, I'll respond to both those things. So, uh, definitely, I learned firsthand that you know the scripture where it says, you know, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. Uh, I think that sums up mental illness um, pretty accurately because when me or when I, uh, you know, when I started to experience these symptoms, when I started to come to grips with reality which was you know i'm sick i'm ill and uh i was at home and there were a lot of people around me that didn't understand it and they thought you know because we can't see a cast or you know a cancer diagnosis you're fine and uh that's kind of what mental illness is is um speculated about where because you can't see it you don't think there's anything wrong and if there is something wrong then you can just kind of toughen up or pray more or read your scriptures more and just get past it and so my my experience firsthand is is that you know it's it's a legitimate illness it's not a weakness it's an illness and it's something that you need to treat just as if you were treating any other physical handicap you know whether that would require surgery which is kind of like therapy in terms of mental illness um you know, or medication, and, you know, you just need to do the things that allow you to get past it. And so for me, when I returned home, after 63 days, my, my testimony took a downward spiral. 
you know, I, I was always thinking of myself as a failure. I thought that I had disappointed my family. I thought I had disappointed God. I thought that I wasn't in the place I was supposed to be because, you know, I was supposed to be serving my mission, and I wasn't serving my mission, so I was kind of just lost. And it was really hard for me to go to church. I hated church um, just because people would, you know, look at me funny or ask me, you know, questions that were difficult to answer. Um, like, when are you going back out or, you know, what's wrong or, you know, things like that where their intentions were good, but it just kind of turned me off to the idea of, you know, I'm not doing the right things. I'm not good enough. And so for me, when I finally realized, you know, I don't have anyone who understands me. You know, I don't. My family doesn't get it. My friends are out on their mission, so they can't help me. Um, you know, the ward members don't get it. I really just had to dig deep down inside myself and develop a relationship with Christ. And that was, you know, the first time for me where I just thought to myself, okay, what can I do to develop that relationship? So I really studied my patriarchal blessing. Um, I studied the scriptures. I really tried to journal and write down my thoughts um, when I prayed. For the first time in my life, I started writing down my prayers and kind of just listening to see what Heavenly Father would tell me. Uh, and it just got to the point where, you know, it took about 18 months for me to kind of get to a really good place. And those were, you know, a long 18 months. But when I had reached that place, my testimony was you know, better than it ever was before, not because I was doing anything particularly different, but I think Christ was able to reach me in a way that he couldn't before because I was just in a whole new place of humility. You know, funny that you mentioned that. It reminds me of um, the quote from President Nelson, I think it was in April 2017, where he t uh, drawing on the powers of Christ. I think that, I don't think that's exactly what the talk's titled, but something like that, where he talks about, you know, when we reach for the Savior... With the same intensity as a person that's, you know, grasping, gasping for breath, drowning, you know, that's when we get his power. And when you say that, it's like, well, that's kind of how it works, you know. You yeah. Get to the point where you're like, you, you, if you ever played, Absolutely. if you ever played racquetball, it's the same thing. You know, you, the, the harder you hit the ball against the wall, the harder it's going to come back. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I like that. Uh, it was. It was a. Uh, you know, the hardest thing that I've had to go through, but it, it solidified in my mind how Christ knows each of us individually, and he knows our missions, and the only reason that he would want to hurt us is to help us, um, you know, move forward into a, a better place. And uh, that's kind of the, the basis of, you know, my story, my testimony. It's that, you know, Christ knows us, he understands us, he understands mental illness, he understands heartache, discouragement. He understands all those things. And usually when we're going through really hard things um, is when he's closest to us. And it appears that he's furthest away. You know, we, our prayers may go unanswered. We may feel really lonely. But that's just part of the test. Um, and as long as we just keep moving forward, keep doing the right things, keep getting back up when we fall down, keep repenting, uh, we're going to make it. We're going to be successful, and we're going to look back and see God's handprint in everything. Kind of curious as <laughs> to... Amazing. Oh, go ahead, Jess. No, that's just amazing. I mean, I'm just thinking about how many how many people going through an experience like that, it would just crush them, you know? And that is such a miracle 
to be able to get back up, to be able to find that strength again and be stronger than before. That doesn't happen without God. Does not. Well, that kind of, glad you said that, Jess, it kind of leads right into the next question I wanted to ask you, Drew, is, which is, um, if you could say there's one thing um, that you became particularly free from or free to do through you know, this experience with Christ and overcoming that, what would you say it is? I would say I became free from caring about the opinions of other people. Okay. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I cared a lot about what other people thought when I got home just because, you know, I defied the status quo or, you know, it was kind of taboo for me to do what happened to me. And um, so I cared a lot about, you know, what my parents thought. I cared a lot about what, you know, my bishop thought, what the ward members thought, what companions thought. And I think that's part of what made me so unhappy was because I, I um, interpreted that I wasn't fulfilling all the expectations that were placed upon me. Yeah. And so as I had time to kind of develop my relationship with Christ, it just really got to the point where, you know, if he told me I fulfilled my mission, then I did it, and I don't need to worry about what anyone else thinks. You know, I, um, love, that, I love that you say that, too, because, yeah, um, like, with my, my dad told me that when uh, he had finished his mission, um, back in the dinosaur days, <laughs> oh, he, he's turning, uh, wait, turned, wait, don't, July, it's not the 27th yet, so he's turning um, 60 this year, and so that's why I say back in the dinosaur days, but... <laughs> Um, but he told me that when he finished his mission, I, yeah, I know what you, I know what that expression means, Jess. <laughs> um, but he told me when he finished um, that he asked Heavenly Father, like, you know, is is my offering acceptable? Have I done well enough? You know, this is the end here. Is is my offering acceptable to you? And he got a very firm impression: yes, that, that your offering is acceptable. It is you did well? You know, well done. And so when uh, when I the six week mark before I went home, I didn't expect it because like my mission president, I told him what happened and the doctor wanted to put a pin in my elbow because the bone had kind of split at the end like this. And, uh, and so, you know, the doctor said, you need a pin in your arm. And so church headquarters, long story short, he, they, they let the mission president know that I had two options. One was to spend the last, last six weeks recovering. I'm like, okay, what's option two? You go home, honorably released, you're done. Like, is there an option three? <laughs> and there wasn't, so um, they told me that my dad would call me that afternoon with my decision. And I was like, I'm not ready for this. I mean, I know there's only six weeks left, but still, I'm like, I, I, maybe not the same situation as yours quite because pretty big difference there. But I'm like, I asked the same thing, you know, I was like, Heavenly yeah. Father, you, this worked for my dad. I'm going to try it. Is my offering acceptable? And... Um, even now, all these years later, as I say that, it just it comes back to me again. Yes, your offering was acceptable. You did well, no matter how long you served. Um, so it makes me think of that, you know, like our, our best efforts um, when we partner with Christ um, are enough. I think of what uh, Elder Bednar said when he goes, If today you have done a little bit better than you did yesterday, that is enough. Yeah, so. I, I agree. And I, I had actually a similar experience coming home as you and your your dad did i was reading my patriarchal blessing one night which actually talks you know it's got a paragraph in there about missionary service and i've had to really kind of um find ways to interpret it um how heavenly father want, wants me to see it instead of how just you know my natural man wants to see it <laughs> and uh 
I had been home for about um, a month. And, you know, still at that point, it was very unknown, you know, whether I was going to go back or not, whether I was going to get better or not, you know, just kind of what my, my future held. And I received an impression as clear as day, you know, you fulfilled your mission. Um, and uh, I didn't tell anybody. I just kind of kept it to myself because that's all I needed. Um, that's all I needed was confirmation from him because, you know, he's God and your parents aren't God and your friends aren't God and so God's God. And so he was, his was the opinion that mattered most to me and that I needed um, and his confirmation kind of set me on my journey to recovery. I don't think I would have been able to have the confidence um, or the drive to to recover and to keep going if I hadn't had that confirmation. So to anyone, you know, who's going through something difficult and uh, doesn't know if they're, you know, fulfilling their mission, you know, in life, just ask, you know, if you're doing the right things and God will respond and answer you. And if you're not, then he'll tell you what you need to change. And it won't be, you know, it won't make you feel bad. It'll just kind of be like a, a firm, you know, you need to change this and uh, you'll be on the right path. So, yeah, I might add to that too. If you, and if, if you do feel bad, you know, don't let it defeat you. Let it motivate you, you know. Oh, I feel bad about this. Well, okay, what can you do? You know what to do now, so gung-ho, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. I I just love that, you know, you picked the right person to listen to. (laughs) I love that you said, you know, that you listened to, you know, like, as you're reading your patriarchal blessing, I love that you said that you were trying to interpret it God's way instead of the natural man way because, gosh, that's so easy to do. So to think, well, I know how things are supposed to be, and they're, they're not, and it's not what God has in mind at all. Right. Yeah. I think, too, of with the whole not, like, be kind of being free from the opinions of others, you know? It's like, I, with my experience... You know what that's like. Oh, yeah. Yes, you know I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I... I I hate to sound like a broken tape recorder here, but again, if listeners go back and listen to episode 40 of season one, like, I honestly, I just, over the, my time up in Canada, I just kind of lost the energy to care about what other people thought. I'm like, it only makes me miserable. It makes me like, I'm always on pins and needles. Well, am I going to offend this person or that person? It's like, as long as God is not offended, why in the heck do I need to care what anybody else thinks? <laughs> So now it's like, I, you know, I was telling Colette the other day, I was like, honestly, I only care what he thinks, what the Savior thinks, um, what you think. Mm, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> so. His ways are higher than our ways. <laughs> His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Oh, totally. Which is cool, you know? It's, it's different than our thoughts, but not only is it different, it's better. Yeah. Right. No, I like that. Not not it's not, not just different, but it's better. Because I think of what uh, Don H. Oak, and this kind of this will lead into my next question for you, Drew. Um, Don H. Oak said, you know, about uh, good, better, best. It's a good thing to go and serve. It's a, a better thing to serve with all your heart. The best thing is to just seek to do the Lord's will. Period. Right. Um, so, Drew, I'm curious to know um, for listeners today, uh, is there any specific advice you have for those who? Um, I mean, whether it's your mission or anything else, maybe it's like another calling that you really loved or something, and for whatever reason you couldn't control, you had to be released from it. Um, 
which you know, applies to mission service as well. Uh, those people who feel like they've tried everything, um, they're you know the same bandwagon, you know, anxious, they're questioning you know their life, their decisions, you know what's going on with me, what have, what have I done wrong, what's wrong with me. Um, they've tried everything and they just can't seem to push past that brick wall of, you know, really finding what it's like to partner with the Savior and overcome those feelings and realize that you are worthy. What would you suggest for them? Well, I, th I think it depends on, you know, where they are in their individual relationship with Christ. And um, I think for me, you know, I feel like I was in a good place and so I could, you know, do some of the things that for others may have been a little bit more difficult. Um, but I would say, you know, no matter where you are, just start with the simple things. Uh, you know, if you like, you know, listening to music, listen to music that's uplifting, um, that, you know, reminds you of, of good things, inspiring things. Um, you know, if you like to read the scriptures, read stories that, you know, apply to your situation or read about topics that apply to your situation. Um, if you're wanting to learn more about, you know, repentance or, you know, temptation and study those topics. Um, you don't have to, I think people, you know, sometimes think you have to read, you know, first Nephi all the way through Moroni and that's, you know, how it's supposed to be. Um, but, you know, I think you can really decide for yourself, you know, what do I want to focus on as I improve, develop my relationship with Christ? And, you know, prayer is one of those things that is obviously always going to be the best way to communicate with God because that's how we do it. Um, we pray and then we listen. I think listening is something that people take for granted and they just want to, you know, get through it and say amen and, and move on. But I think, you know, as you listen and as you think about, you know, what's being felt, what's being said back to you, that's when you'll receive that uh, confirmation and the instruction that you're, you're doing the right things or that you need to change some things. I remember. Um, otherwise, you miss it. Yeah, I remember when uh, I was really little. Actually, there's a few times, quite vividly, only a few, but I'm sure it happened more than this, where my dad, I'd be, I'd be finished with like my night, my nighttime prayers, and or something like that, and uh, I, you know, typical kid, name of Jesus Christ, Amen, down on the bed. And I remember one time, my dad's like, "Okay, hold, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on," kneel back up, and like, "Dad, why?" He's like, "Just hold on a second, just kneel back up for a minute, okay." Like, what, are you going to pray now? He's like, no. He goes, I want you to just kneel here for a second. I want Just just try this. Humor me for a minute, okay? Just try it. I want you to kneel there for a minute and just sit. Just listen. Not for any sounds. Listen to see if you feel anything special from what you just prayed for. Just, I don't know, for even just one minute. You know, one or two or three, whatever. And I don't remember anything significant coming from that the first time. But I never forgot him asking me to do that because that came back to me later in life and it served me well because I'm like, when you say, you know, the listening part, it's like, how often do we actually do that? Especially, you know, moms, dads with lots of kids, or whatever, who have big families. Like, what was it? I saw this, um, actually, let me see if I can find it real quick here. There's a picture I took of a, a sign on one of the ladies' desks at work at, uh, where I work as a CNA at Stonehenge in American Fork. Oh, here it is. Uh, instead of like one of those little name signs on her desk, it says chaos coordinator. And I'm like, I need one of those. And God needs one of those because he's a master at it. And if I think if we just stop to sit and listen, the chaos in our mind and our heart, like 
if we just listen, he can help calm that down because he is the ultimate chaos coordinator. He knows how to manage stuff like that to calm it down. So. Amen to that. <laughs> I love that. And I mean, I've I've run into so many people who have said, "Well, my patriarchal blessing says this, but it never happened," or "My patriarchal blessing says that, but how in the world is that going to happen?" And and they'll use it as you know as a reason to be discouraged. So I love that you know filter everything through the spirit. You know what he's really trying to teach us. And I'm just curious, um, what like having that confirmation that you fulfilled your mission. I'm curious, like um, as as time has gone by, what what do you think some of those things are that you fulfilled in your mission? I mean, that's what you ask. Yeah, I mean, well, long story short, I think I just fulfilled what God wanted me to fulfill. Um, I don't know specifically you know, exactly what I did that, you know, checked it off in his mind, like, yep, you're done, you're good. Um, but I do know that, you know, however I did it, I was able to do it. I think um, the companionship that I was in the MTC was a big part of it, how we were kind of meant to be together. Um, and uh, the branch presidency, you know, I think they were a big part of my mission and teaching me things and helping me do things. And then the teachers that you know, help with the lessons and the, the, the language. Um, those three kind of subsets were kind of the launching pad for a lot of key lessons that I had to learn. Um, and then I also think, I mean, after coming home, even though I had fulfilled it, I was still living it. And yeah. I think I was still fulfilling it um, even afterwards. And totally. I had to learn how to, you know, deal with, you know, what happens when your testimony is slipping or what happens when you go against kind of natural expectations of what's, you know, anticipated for you in your life. Um, and so I think those things, all of it combined, was just a way for me to just kind of be like, yeah, you know what, this is better than anything that I ever, you know, thought of. So, you know, going forward in life, you know, hard times really suck and difficulties <laughs> are not fun and trials can seem unfair but I know now that like he's got a better plan for us and even if it's not plan A or plan B it's the right yeah. plan it's funny that you mentioned the whole I, like, I don't know specifics because how often do we really need to know specifics about the Lord's plan and, and like that minute detail I'm thinking of the, the that classic story of President Faust right where he talks about the, the missionary who says, I only baptize one dirty little Irish boy. He's like, I was that dirty little Irish boy, right? And but even other than that, like that, that missionary still planted seeds. You don't know how many seeds you planted, no matter how long or short you served, that one day, you know, I, heck, I remember this guy on my mission who, um, my first area, um, very agnostic slash atheist kind of guy. And he was talking about, you know, when I was little, I thought, oh, I know everything. When I was a teenager, you know, oh, I know better than everybody. Mom and dad don't know anything attitude. And he's like, and then I got into my 20s. I'm like, oh, I was so stupid in my teens. I, I'm smart now. I can do this. I could be like president of the United States if I wanted, right? And he says, and you know what? When I got into my 30s, I look back and I'm like, man, I was so stupid. I couldn't have been the president. I didn't know what I was doing. And I, now I know what I'm doing. And then in his 40s, he's like the same cycle over and over. He talks about periods in his life. And he was like 50, I think, at the time when we talked to him. And he goes, 
every phase in life, voters, you're going to realize you don't know something that, that you know, you're going to grow older in retrospect, you're going to be like, I had no clue, and now I know a little better, but I still have ways to go, and that's the thing that's supposed to keep you humble, elders. And uh, this is not even a member of the church, right? But he said, you are going to remember me, elders, for what I'm telling you. And dang it, he was right. I'll never forget that guy. Because gospel teaching, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And in the end, when the Savior reveals all things and says, by the way, this is what you did good that you didn't know. This is the, the influences, this little guy you said two nice words to. Oh, that missionary said two nice words. 15 years later, I should listen to them now. You don't know. Yeah, absolutely. You don't. That's, that's the beautiful part about it. Well, and, and how much if, you know, I'm just, you know, thinking how much of this mission is even not necessarily to people who aren't members of the church, but people who are. I mean, we all need to be ministered to. Absolutely. We, we all have stuff that we're still learning about God. I mean, obviously, I mean, these are... I don't always talk about this kind of stuff in primary. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up here, um, Jess, do you have any other questions for Drew today? No, I, I'm just, I'm just, ha- I'm just so happy to meet you, you know, and that you, know, you can have the, the presence of mind to, you know, choose to listen to God. And I think that's just so, that's just so powerful. It's so awesome. So I'm so glad to hear this story. Awesome, so. It's all him. It's all him. It's all him. Yeah, it absolutely is. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening today. Uh, if you liked what you heard in this episode, please go and click that follow link on paulpulsifer.podomatic.com. Um, if you found something particularly useful that helped you out, please go give a written review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Facebook. Uh, help other people find the goodness you may have found here and share this with your family and your friends. Others who may have gone through the same struggles or maybe just need help uh, learning as Drew did to be free from the opinions of others and only worry about what God thinks. Um, lastly, um, for Jess, don't forget to go check, go, go by her website. Um, remind our viewers, what, our listeners, what it is again, Jess. Because there are more stories there about people who are overcoming hard things and uh, making positive changes in their life as well. So. Remember to stand steadfastly in the freedom God gave us. Until next time, this is Paul Pulsifer. And Jessica Sellers. Have a great day, guys.